Hello? Hello, am I in? You're in. And All you right. Sound, you sound good, too. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, most of my callers don't use a mic, so you, you definitely sound good. Nice. I got one here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hey, guys, we have Alex on the line today, on the podcast today. He has a, a Star Trek podcast and also works in film. So we were going to talk about Star Trek uh movies tv and also him working in film that's right that's correct yep so oh, and my first... podcast if i can plug it is uh star trek the original siblings yeah i just actually checked it out right before and it sounds good thank you um so yeah so it's you and your sister right on the podcast yes on... yep yeah yeah we watch uh episodes of star trek the original series and we just talk over them the entire time make jokes about them mostly Okay, yeah, I actually talked to some guys who do like that with with horror films, like indie horror films or whatever. And it sounds That's like a pretty that. cool idea. Yeah. So you guys are you guys are actually really into Star Trek though, right? Yeah, we're um yeah, we we haven't, you know, we're not the she's been into Star Trek since about high school. I just got into it a couple of years ago, so it's like it's I guess I'm hesitant. I always am like I'm very into Star Trek, but but say that because there are like 845 episodes of star trek or something and i think at this point i've seen maybe like 350 of them or something so it's like it's like to me i'm like i feel very into star trek but to someone who's seen all you know all 845 episodes they're still like oh that guy's a star trek noob he's only seen four out of the 13 shows or whatever so so i, I always yeah. have like a sense of uh imposter syndrome when i try to be like yes i love star trek and and part of the show our show is that i haven't seen the this the original series before and i'm watching it for the first time she's seen it before so um so i'm i'm freshly into star trek but i really love it i've, I've been watching it pretty consistently for about three years now yeah and is that 800 or so episodes is that all in like the one series or is that like spread across all of the that is across i think i want to say like 12 or 13 series i don't quite know how many there are off the top of my head it might be maybe it's 11 it's it's right around there though it's quite a few series starting in you know 1967 and and now there's like currently like four or five like currently on tv okay and if i don't know if you want do do you want to go over like the the history of star trek like Kind of explain to the sure. audience um, yeah, absolutely. all the different series and who was in them and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. It starts in. Uh, I, it I starts just, in... I just don't. Sorry, I just don't know enough about it. So it'd be it's interesting for me to like learn more about the whole Star Trek thing. You know. Absolutely yes, yeah and, yeah, and I love it. So I'm I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, it's it started in uh in '67, um, and uh and ran for three years. The original series, which is uh probably the one that most people I think are the most familiar with, which is the one with uh Captain Kirk, uh, William Shatner, and Spock, uh, Leonard Nimoy, um, and uh and they and, and at the time you know it was and now it's funny because it's very like campy and it's a sixty year old show or whatever. But it's like at the time it was very forward thinking and very futuristic. And, it, you know, people always talk about like inventions that we have nowadays, stuff like iPads and stuff were, were like first thought up on Star Trek. And so it was uh, it was really cool and uh, very revolutionary and had a lot of uh, very forward thinking ideas, you know, that they had like uh, in the in the a future world where there isn't currency and things like that. And we're exploring space and we have a federation of planets where we've made peace with a bunch of other 
nearby planets and we're essentially exploring the galaxy and uh you know making contact with all these other planets and things it's very exciting and i think part of why it stands out so much as a sci-fi show and part of why it's still so popular today is is that it's like very optimistic because i think i feel like most science fiction especially ones that take place in the future are very like dystopian and star trek is very much like the philosophy behind it i think is why people it has such a like kind of cult-like following is because it's very much like mankind is capable of of doing great things and capable of being better and capable of being more than we are and so it's like kind of like um and so it's kind of just let's working on that basically being like what if we were able to overcome all of these like silly dumb things you know what if we could have a future where you know there wasn't poverty and there wasn't racism and there wasn't sexism and then there wasn't all these, you know, when uh, there wasn't war, you know, and, and if we learned from our mistakes and kind of grown as a society and there wasn't, you know, so much disease because we have like, you know, incredible like health science has advanced sort of a thing. And so it's, it's sort of the optimism and the idealism of Star Trek, I think, is what makes it really um, so um, stand out so much. Um, and uh I'll pause for you to talk for a second if you want, but I'll, or I'll keep going in the next show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you. And I, I think that in reality, I think that things are getting better, not worse. You know what I mean? And um, I think I see kind of maybe why they do the dystopian thing, like in like movies like Blade Runner. I think even like Star Wars it might be dystopian, but and like movies like her and all that um mm -hmm. i can kind of see why it's dystopian i think it's a little bit like more edgy or like kind of interesting to do it dystopian but in general yeah i think things actually are as of right now going in a better going in a better way and you also mentioned like no currency how how do they deal without currency like what are they doing on that end i'll i'll be honest it doesn't fully make sense to me like, you know, the part of the idea is that the, on Earth, we have enough resources that everyone just has enough. And so people don't need currency. Um, OK, but it, but, it, you know, still watching the shows and things, it doesn't make total sense. It's like, well, why does this guy have a nice house and this guy is kind of a crummy looking house, but no, neither one of them has currency. And then sometimes they'll like sometimes they'll make like financial deals with other civilizations. And I'm like, well, wait, how are we doing that if we have no currency? <laughs> like, um so probably with other civilizations, there's a sort of bartering system. But I think more of the idea was just that this uh, that the separation of, of wealth was um, was a major issue with humanity and that you know, that's no longer a problem, that everybody has enough and that people don't have to like constantly work, you know, a million hours a week or whatever to pay their bills and have enough that everyone was just taken care of. And then what they could do with their lives was more like whatever pursuit they were interested in. And uh, whatever they could do to enrich, you know, themselves and the world around them type of thing. And so it's like very idealistic. I don't, I'm not going to claim to understand like the semantics of it. It's, it's something that certainly on, on our podcast, I've definitely multiple times been like, I don't know if there's any degree of reality to this. My sister would disagree with me. She would say she would say this absolutely could happen and make sense. And, and other Trekkies will, will say that too. They'll get mad at me for saying that I don't get it. But but maybe it's just because I'm so rooted in our society that it's just hard for me to think outside of that and be like, well, how could how could a society exist without money? Um, so it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they're almost going towards like a, like a socialist type future or something, which is which is um, something that I'd be down with. So I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I don't have Certainly, to wait yeah. and, and we could all live without working and, 
doing what we want, which is um, yeah, hopefully well, maybe one like day. We do have know? enough resources for everybody. So it's like, you know, it's I like know. If, if people could kind of get things straight, it's it's that that part kind of is realistic. Um, but it's it's just hard to imagine like like what what shape society would take, like and how we would like, you know, choose our leaders and things. And like just it's, it's just yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around. Like, yeah. But it's uh and, and they you know with certain aspects like that they keep it uh uh you know reasonably vague you know they like touch on a lot of the stuff but they don't really dig into like you know there's not like a full episode about like oh how do we have no currency or whatever it's just like that's just something that's kind of mentioned offhand and so there's never any financial transaction or like poor people or anything um so yeah it's it's a more of a background element but i find it very interesting and it kind of points to just the philosophy of the show in general i think yeah and if you want you can go into more of it but i mean to be honest with you i'd actually kind of prefer to talk about like what you know film and like you working in film and also absolutely yeah and i'm happy to change oh. topics and it's it's only because i know nothing about star trek and i, I was talking to a guy about because he was writing a comic book and i was talking to yeah. him on here and I just had nothing to add at all. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, um, totally. No, you're good. I'm happy to talk about anything. You know, I talk about Star Trek plenty on my own on my own podcast. So so I don't have to yeah. take up all your time talking about it. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, just a quick question on Star Trek, as I mm-hmm. just said, I want to get off of it. But um, right. How, do you do you like the new the new Star Trek movies? How how do you think those do in in um in comparison to the old ones? You know, it depends on the movie. I think my favorite ones are some of the original ones. Uh, uh, there's there's 13 Star Trek movies, and I think probably two, three, and four, which are regarded as the trilogy, um, and and that's with the original cast. Those are probably my favorites. Um, but I really like the 2009 one, which would be 11, I guess, if you're numbering them all. Uh, I really enjoyed that one, and that was kind of the one that got my sister and I into it when we were a bit younger. So it's um. So I'm certainly not. I, certain certain fans would probably disparage the newer ones, but I like that one a lot. The newest one, Star Trek uh, Beyond, I liked a little less, but I still enjoyed it. I, I there's there's only uh, uh, number ten uh, insurrection. Is that what's called? Um, is the uh, or is it Nemesis? It's Nemesis, I think. I always mix up the titles. Number ten is Nemesis, and that's the only one I don't like. It's like the only like bad one of the mix, as far as I'm concerned. Although I haven't seen five and six yet, so I could be wrong. I, there maybe there's other bad ones floating around, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> okay, and the new the new ones, I want to say like Chris Pratt was in Chris the new Pine. One. Chris Pine. Okay, I'll okay. take I'll take Pine over Pratt. <laughs> okay, yeah, yes. No, what what's funny is I met Chris. I met Chris Pine, and I said Chris Pratt. Like I meant I meant the guy oh, from Don't yeah, yeah, from yeah. Don't from don't worry darling and all like that drama going on that's the guy i met yeah yeah, yeah. right that's yeah. Him. yeah yes yeah. yeah yeah okay so yeah i definitely like chris pine over chris pratt i don't i don't dislike chris pratt but i would probably say chris pine is a better actor in my opinion yeah, um, yeah i like chris I th- pratt a little less every year <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you're saying um i mean he hasn't really made a good movie or like i know he did jurassic world which is probably his his best thing he's done right chris yeah and his like personal stuff and his politics i won't get into it but i you know i'm not gonna i'm not on here to disparage chris pratt i guess but uh but yeah i just uh oh yeah there was there was certain moments where he should have spoken up and said things and and didn't at at convenient times and i'm kind of like okay this guy kind of stands for nothing i feel like um so yeah, I agree with you there. So it, I'm I'm totally fine with you going off on that. But but um, 
Okay, then you I'll know, just really briefly I, say he was called out. Yeah, People yeah. said that he was a Trump voter, and then he was like, and he was like, no, yeah. I just I'm apolitical. I don't have political opinions, and I feel like I just yeah. feel like in this day and age to not have a political opinion is like it's just like what are you doing? Like you, you have to like you got to stand for something. I know that politics are all dumb. Like I'm with it, but it's like it's like you you got a platform and you're being asked and you're just being like, nope, no opinion. It's just like. Ugh. Like, like yeah. even if you stand for the wrong thing, at least you stand for something. Um, but it's like, I, which you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't support that still. But it's like, I, it just was very like, ah. and it's like, but simultaneously, I'll sit there and be like, I don't think actors should be talking about politics. You know, like I don't yeah. think that's their place. I don't think they're meant to be leaders in that way. But then as soon as one of them is asked and doesn't have an answer, I'm all, I'm simultaneously like, nope, not cool. So yeah. I, don't know. I guess I'm all yeah. over the place. I'm kind of a hypocrite, but it, uh, but you know, so that's yeah, yeah, my, that's my take on Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. I, 60 the seconds only, of Pratt rant. <laughs> the only thing that I've heard about him recently in terms of that was like something about him being like a, like a Christian and like, or like playing christian music or something like that like it was something with like he was i don't even know I, i'm not i'm not even talking bad on that i don't, I don't really want, i don't really want to speak on that negatively right. but i heard that he, i heard he was a christian and i heard i i think that i heard that he was oh Republican. yeah well there's something about yeah that. and there's a lot of goofy yeah. it's hard to keep track with him too because it's become like an internet meme to make up rumors about chris pratt like there was that quote going around about him saying saying uh, when he was cast as Mario, he was saying Mario is not Italian; he's normal now, which he never said. But but I must have seen I must have seen that quoted as him saying that like a hundred times. It was just like a funny internet thing that someone came up with. And then there oh, was wow. oh, I wish I could remember what else. There was like five things in a row where people were just making things up, like just fully making things up about him and saying he said it, and it, it would go viral. And like he would be like, "I didn't say that. I don't get why the internet's bullying me." And then they do it even more, which. I find mostly pretty hilarious. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. Like, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, yeah. I'm I'm totally behind on those memes. I think I'm. I don't know. I don't know if I follow. I don't even like. I've heard a ton Maybe about memes, but it seems like I. Culture, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing, the funny thing is, I kind of wish that I was more into internet culture. But when I hear people talk about a lot, mostly memes. I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I'm way, I'm way far behind on these memes. Like, I, I, I don't know if they're, are they floating around mainly on Twitter or is it Reddit and Twitter or like? I, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Reddit quite a bit, which is why I'm seeing all this stuff. Okay, what about Twitter? Are you on Twitter too? Or Not no? really. No, I've, I, I tweet, I tweet, uh, uh, I tweet pretty much the same thing every day. It's either like this is a tweet hashtag tweet or I'll tweet at Bill, um, Bill Maher and ask him to stop. I just say please stop. Um, I think I've tweeted that at him maybe like 20 or 30 times. I just, I just want him to stop. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm so you're like, one of those. Yeah, you're just, yeah, you're just lame. That's about all I do with Twitter. I don't really, I don't really get it. I don't really enjoy it. I'm just like, well, I don't know what's going yeah. on in this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are you kind of like one of those, well, I'm, I'm kind of just like assuming that you're mm -hmm. a liberal, but are you one of those liberals that like is pretty much doesn't like Bill Maher like that type of thing like yeah pretty like, much I, yeah I, I, I feel like I, I feel like the he's podcast. the uh I feel like he's yeah. the Republican of liberals I'm like how is this guy yeah. claimed to be a liberal but he's simultaneously like anti-young people and like you know he's like this is every Bill Maher bit I can do it right now kids are always looking at their phones I don't even know how yeah. to use a phone and yeah. then his audience laughs and I'm like well that's not a bit that's just that's just yeah, you yeah. being an idiot that's not comedy like you know <laughs> Like, yeah and then he keeps getting I listen, shows and stuff. it drives me crazy yeah i listen to a lot of podcasts that make fun of him and like his you know his new podcast now like the club random thing or whatever 
<laughs> no, uh, no, thankfully I haven't kept up. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't. He's got, he's got that. posters for his new show in Times Square right now, though, and I'm just like, oh god, remind me not to watch. I'm just like, oh, can we just stop with this guy? I think yeah, I like yeah. to tweet at him yeah, because so... it's not like the most. It's not that important, really. Like he doesn't matter, but I'm like, okay, this is a silly person to tweet at constantly and just ask him to stop, like. Yeah, do you ever like when you tweet like I don't know how to use Twitter at all. So like if you tweet at someone like that, like do they get the do they get like the tweet? Like can you like if you They're can you notified, like post something probably, on their wall kind of thing? Yeah, you can do at Bill Maher. He's probably he might have a notifications off for when he's tagged in tweets, or maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he sees every single one. I feel like he probably doesn't though. Pretty much famous people, I feel like, you know, get tweeted at so much that they don't like look through their tweets. But on the off chance he does, he'll see that I've tweeted like 20 times in a row at him just saying, stop. So, you know, we're at the yeah, shot. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trolling him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has this podcast called Club Random. And it's mm-hmm. like, for one, for one, it's like somebody like him, he doesn't really need a podcast. Like he already has the HBO show or whatever. And he had, um, I'm forgetting her name. He had, you I said her name. I know she does. She's like an, like a Disney. She was a Disney actress, and then when she got older, like now she's doing like OnlyFans and stuff. Um, um, I'm I'm blanking on her name, but he had her on, and he basically was kind of like, "What's with young people these days? They're so like over dramatic or whatever." And and she was like, literally like telling him like, "Hey, like I got raped. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not oh, geez, overly yeah. dramatic." <laughs> And he was like kind of making fun of it, not making fun of her being raped, but making fun of how young people are oh, like she was being overdramatic. And she's like, no, I've really gone through shit. You know what I mean? And yeah, so he, he kind of had to like take it back. With Gabby Petito, who got literally murdered by Brian what? Laundrie. Like, and he was like, he was being like, what's up with these kids and their phones and their internet? Like making fun of her basically. And it's like, okay, this is a murder victim, dude. Like, and it's like, he's, oh, and wow. he just can't stop. Like, and he's just yeah. like, and, and the other thing he's always doing is he's always talking about how kids these days don't know how to work hard. And all they do is like spout their opinions on the internet and online and stuff. And it's like, that is your entire career and your entire living. You don't work hard. Like you get up in front of an audience and say a bunch of unfunny jokes or you go on your Twitter and make your stupid tweets. And like, that's your living. So it's like the fact that he's making fun of young people for like doing something similar or wanting to do something similar is like, just, it's just, he's such a hypocrite. It drives me crazy. Like, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whenever one of those, those older dudes who like has, you know, has an easy street, like they have like, like Joe Rogan, whenever like yes, they like yeah. talk shit on younger people and say, oh, they're so lazy. It's like, dude, fuck you. Like you're making like a hundred million dollars doing like a fucking podcast. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I think right. Rogan does do, does do a lot, but it's like, dude, I, I would, what I would do to have your life, like, don't, don't complain about like, you know what I mean? But he does that kind of stuff too. Yeah, it's where he'll just like, like these people are so separated from us. It's like, when you're a millionaire, you don't get to talk about what people who are making like, you know, a living wage, like you don't get to talk shit on them. And if you're 60 yeah. years old and the internet was invented when you were, you know, in your forties or whatever, and you've only used it twice ever, like you don't get to talk about like what it's like to grow up nowadays you know you don't get to talk shit on like 16 year olds because you don't you don't know their situation you're just disconnected like you know it's like we should all be trying to understand a little each other a little more instead of talking so much shit especially about things we just don't know about so as i'm sitting here talking mad shit about bill maher um but but which you is know, fine like, which yeah, is fine but, as long as long as yeah, as long as you're punching like, up on. you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah, yeah but that's, anyway, that's part of it it's he's constantly punching down yeah <laughs> yeah that that's the problem i have like there should be no punching down if you punch up yeah. like if i make fun of tom cruise or 
or Chris Pratt or Bill Maher. It's like, who gives a shit? They don't care. Yeah, like, that's you know fair. I mean? like, yeah, they're never going to hear us complaining about them. Bill Maher's probably exactly. never going to see my tweets at him. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So anyways, yeah, I wanted to move on to like, so besides Star Trek, what mm-hmm. kind of other uh, movies and TV shows are you into? What kind of entertainment are you into? Oh, let's see. Well, I, um, gosh, I love, I mean, I love just kind of everything, but I love, um, I'm big on like, especially horror and sci-fi movies are like my favorites. Um, I like a lot of old movies. Um, you know, if I was going to say some of my favorite movies, I'd say like men in black, it might be my favorite movie, uh, back to the future. I love, uh, I love older stuff like forbidden planet or like the day the earth stood still and stuff like that. Um, horror movies, of course you already had horror movie guys on here, but that's totally like my comfort food. I watch just a ton of horror. Um, and it's uh and it's it's great and i love it and then tv it's just kind of like i try to just watch you know everything like everything that's on like i consume quite a lot of tv and uh you know especially comedy of course i love comedy uh you know i my favorite shows are a lot of people's favorite shows it's stuff like community and uh it's always sunny in philadelphia i love veep was incredible um you know those are all somewhat older shows more recently i liked the rehearsal quite a bit that that uh nathan uh, fielder show um that was really excellent. that was very interesting yeah that was, it was um it almost made me feel like it made me feel uncomfortable at times which i think mm-hmm. was the point right yeah definitely made yeah. you think about stuff um so yeah just uh but i'm just big on all that stuff in general i do less like uh documentary and reality type stuff i certainly watch a bit of reality tv and a bit of competition shows but i also generally work in that field so it's like um, and I work in, I work in true crime, so I don't, I really don't watch much true crime anymore. I used to be more into that genre, but now it's like, I, I get so much of it at work that I don't really, uh, you know, I don't, I don't seek it out in my free time. Yeah, that's true. Well, first of all, you mentioned Chris or you mentioned community. And I was going to say that I was going to say earlier, that was one thing that Chris Pratt was in. That was good. Right. No, oh, wait, no wait. he was in Parks and Rec. Sorry. It was a uh, Joel McHale yeah, yeah, yeah. in community. Yes, yeah, I, I, I loved it, Aubrey it Plaza in Parks and Rec. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's partially that he was paired with her is maybe why why I hate him so much. Like some some level of me is like, I love Aubrey Plaza. Like you don't get to be with her. <laughs> like Aubrey, yeah. if you're listening, Aubrey, call me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I didn't finish Community and I didn't finish Parks and Rec. I liked. I definitely liked both of them. I liked I liked the idea of community and Parks and Rec, but I didn't finish them. So he ends up with Aubrey Plaza in in, in yeah, Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah for yeah. most of yeah. the second half of the show. Yeah, I try. I really liked Parks and Rec when it was on, but I, I tried to rewatch it and I just didn't really care for it. So I guess I don't know if it my my taste has changed or what's happened, but but I, I loved yeah. it the first time I watched it, and so that's that's worth something. When it was on, it was great. Like yeah. <laughs> But I so think some, my some shows with... age better than others, I guess. Yeah, um, I think community, my problem... I love community is probably my favorite show. Yeah, I like Donald Glover and you know Atlanta. I I, I like mm-hmm. that a lot. I don't. I know only if you saw the that. first season. I'm behind on it, and everyone said the second season was way better. And I'm like, and I want to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But one of these, days... it's very good. And now, yeah, now they're on the 
they're on the le- fourth and last season. So I would definitely recommend to watch that. Nice. I got to get busy watching 800 episodes of Star Trek and uh, what we do in the shadows now too. I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you have a lot of work to do with Star Trek. So uh, yes, exactly. It takes, it takes yeah. a lot of time. It's like really a commitment. <laughs> yeah. But part of the reason why I don't like parks and rec is because, uh, it's because of the office. Like I watched the whole, well, mm-hmm. I actually watched all of the office until Michael, um, what was his name? Michael Michael uh, Scott. He left. Exactly. Michael until he left. Steve Carell, and yeah. And I'm he, a completionist, yeah, exactly. so I kept going, but you made I think you made the right choice. Having having finished the rest of the show, I'm like, I can't I can't think of a moment after he was gone that I was like, Oh, you gotta watch for this. Like, yeah, just it's well, definitely dude. just like the wheels are coming off, sort of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is I am a completionist. I I really do like like to finish shows. But like I honestly like thinking back on it like I didn't even think about it. When he left, I was just like, boom, I'm done. Like, I I was just Yeah, so you're a completionist like, he, he in just... your own sense in that way. It's like I watched the entirety of the Michael Scott Steve Carell The Office. Like, you know, like once he was gone, that's not The Office to me, so I don't feel the need to be completionist about it. <laughs> like Yeah, exactly. He is the show. But I mean, yeah. mo- then another show that I couldn't finish, but then I ended up going back to finish it with my girlfriend was Lost. Did you ever? Did you ever watch? I did. Lost? I watched all of Lost. Um, yeah. But years after it was on, so I d- I didn't watch it live. Uh, I think there's, uh, I think today is literally like a like a anniversary of when Lost first aired. Um, I I think it was like oh god, how long ago was it? Like, not. 15 years ago today or 18 years ago today or something I, I saw this somewhere online i was like oh man it's been a minute um i like lost though yeah i thought it was good. oh yeah and, and i thought it was better to watch all at once after the fact i think if i had waited week week by week for it like some people did because i remember a lot of people were like pretty disappointed and so it also helped to have the perspective of knowing that people were disappointed in the ending um but I, no i enjoyed it i thought it was fun um yeah, yeah, I'm watching Patriot right now that has that same guy, uh, John John Locke. I don't know the actor's name, but he plays John Locke in Lost, and he's very good, and he's good in this other show too. Yeah, um, I like I like I like him. At least yeah. mainly in, in that role as John Locke. But yeah, the Lo- Lost is one of those shows that definitely goes downhill, and I couldn't finish it the first time. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, you know what? This is this definitely goes downhill, but it's it's at least still like entertaining to watch. Just because it's so it gets so ridiculous towards the end. Yeah, totally. And I don't mind a lot of ridiculousness and campiness. It definitely had peaks and valleys because I got excited when they were like time traveling and stuff when they go back to like the past and stuff. Like I thought that was really neat, but I didn't I didn't blame people that like weren't into that. But I I don't know. I guess different people had different opinions about what the show was and what it was going to be. And I was like, you know, the, the more it feels like Twilight Zone to me, like the better. Like there'll be episodes where like there's an episode where that guy I forget the character's name is like Deacon or something and he's jumping back and forth in time, um and he's like trying to fix stuff in the past and stuff. It's episodes like that are like my favorite ones. I think other people like don't don't like that stuff. They're like, no, it's about them being on an island. Like, stop stop making it sci-fi, you know, or whatever. It's like, so yeah. yeah. What's funny is that I normally would agree with them. Like I normally don't like sci-fi and I don't like that type of stuff. That's that's like not realistic or whatever. But I mm. did like how they did it. I, I I liked there was like a there was like a weirdness to that show. Let like there was like I don't even know how, if there's a better word than using weirdness. But like there was something about it that was like just a, it was just a little bit off. That like you were constantly wondering like what's really going on, and then you and then you kind of come to realize that like they don't really have a good explanation for any of it. But it's yeah. still 
kind of trippy you know what i mean yeah it's that mystery box format which like i feel like that show was the one that really launched that being a thing of like in the first episode we're like we're gonna reveal stuff to you and you gotta wait and watch till we do and then and i feel like that's been consistent with that genre too is anytime we get one of these mystery box genres it's like it's like it's it's never that satisfying one of the newer star trek shows picard kind of takes that structure and I and and actually Picard at, at the first season has a literal mystery box at one point. Um, and it's like and I, I don't like that as much. I want episodes. You know, I mostly like I'm I'm I guess it depends on the show. But I, I like, a, a you know, a monster of the week episode rather than a serialized thing, generally speaking. Or at least I like a story that wraps up every week. And then if if we have a running story, I don't mind. But I don't like to feel like my story is constantly open ended. I don't want it to feel like a 10 hour you know, movie, I want to feel like 10, you know, one hour episodes or whatever that are a cohesive story altogether, you know, so it's like, but but everyone's done everything in different ways in TV. And some people make different things work. So it's like, I, I don't want to speak on too broad a terms about anything. But generally speaking, that's that's where I sit with that stuff. Yeah. And what's that called when every there's like a word for it when every episode in like a TV show is is different than the other one. It's like Mon- um, monster of the week. Well, there's that, but there's like an actual kind of term for it. I'm, I'm forgetting what it is. I'd have to look it oh, up. I don't know. That's usually what um, we call it. But maybe okay. there's another term. We'll go with monster of the week. But um, yeah, I'll probably learn that it's something yeah. I don't realize. <laughs> yeah, so episode. I'm episodic. Maybe they might just call it episodic. Yeah, it's actually sure. <laughs> bothering me. I kind of want to look it up now. But um, <laughs> TV show. Oh yeah, I'll just do it later. Um, it, it, it's, I'm, I'm with you. Be, I'm curious. Yeah, I'll be, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up and then I'll tell you after. But um, yeah. So in terms of like what I'm into, like I'm into sci-fi, but I'm more into like honestly, like mainly like a twenty-four stuff, like sci-fi and horror. You know, a twenty-four, right? Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More into like that vibey kind. Yeah, they of, got like... a big following now. It's crazy because oh, it's like one of the first times that like a studio has had a cult following that I can really think of. It's like generally we all have like a passing awareness of studios you know it's like maybe people realize that like universal makes more horror films than other studios and things like that but it's like generally speaking we're kind of indifferent about who's putting out a movie and this is one of the first times i can think of that everyone's like oh every time that this studio puts something out we're excited about it so it's, it's kind of oh, funny dude. Um, yeah yeah and I, I i think it's not even a studio i th- i've heard it's just like a just dis- like a distribution company which you would know more than me and might still be a studio i thought it was a production company actually which is slightly different than a studio but um but i don't totally know honestly i i don't know either i i haven't looked that deep into them i just know that people are very excited about them um but i think i think they produce their own stuff i think they kind of take movies that all have a similar vibe and i'm i'm take it or leave it with them sometimes sometimes i love it so like they make some really phenomenal stuff but it's also like they just made uh that movie x that horror movie i didn't really care for it yes like yeah, yeah well they made they, the director made x and then he made pearl like right after and i just saw pearl and pearl is really yeah good. which was like an x prequel is that right yes and it's and it's uh mia goth is in both of them but playing like a different character in both that's interesting and see i thought x had a lot of potential but it, it didn't uh, it didn't deliver for me um but it wasn't. I, uh, it wasn't my. I favorite, won't give my full review of X, but I. But it didn't. It didn't land yeah. for me as the short of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I. I could sit here and talk about X for ten minutes if you let me, but I. But I. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think anyone wants to hear that. 
Um, I, I'd, I'd actually be interested, but if, if we had more time, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm mostly into a 24, those types of horror and, and, um, and sci-fi and, um, but anyways, so yeah, I, I also wanted to know about, um, I guess like living in New York and then also you mm-hmm. work, you work like doing post-production in movies. And I've actually, since I've started this podcast, I've actually wanted to get someone in who's kind of like behind the scenes in movies, because I'm always kind of curious to mm-hmm. what's going on, what's really going on behind the scenes, you know? And so first of all, yeah, if you could talk about New York and how, how it is living there and then also, um, like what movies you've worked on, if you've worked with any big names, stuff like that. And and where in New York do you live? Uh, I live in Manhattan. I'm on the, uh, I'm on the Upper West Side. Okay. That's the nice part of it, right? It is. Yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a decent way to think of it. Yeah. It's the, it's the big city part. The, uh, the part you see in all the movies with the tall buildings. That's Manhattan. Is that um, where it's like the, Seinf- the big bustling Seinfeld part? Is? Yes, actually, he lives on the Upper West Side, I'm pretty sure, too. So he even lives in the same neighborhood as me. And actually, I think the cafe they go to, it is. It's right up the block from me, um, the yeah. or the, the real-life version of it, anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. I've always like, wondered... It's within I've always, I, or, or I've wondered recently, like, how do those people... I, like, I guess Seinfeld is, like, an actual good comedian in the show. But how do, like, mm-hmm. the other people live there? If Was it not as expensive back in the day, or...? Do you, do you I mean, everything was less expensive in the day at some level, but, uh, but I don't, yeah. I don't have the answer to that. I, you know, George was and wasn't making good money. Elaine always lived in a terrible apartment was kind of a running gag. I know Kramer, God knows how he has that place. I bet there's, I'm not enough of a Seinfeld head to totally tell you, but I bet there's some explanation for like Kramer probably like inherited it from his aunt or something weird. Like, yeah, know, I think the whole thing with Kramer was like you were supposed to just not know what he did. Like, yeah, it was just yeah, kind of like he's a mystery. enigmatic, yeah. and that, that fits too. That's yeah, that's right up the alley of that character. Um, yeah, but but no price, but anyways, wise, yeah, I, how, I say. um, but it's certainly expensive how is now. There? Yeah, how is um, I love it? How, um, how but I didn't, I didn't love it at first for sure. I've lived here since 2016, so I've been here, I'm coming up on seven years here now. Um, and uh, yeah, when when I first moved here, I hated it. Um, like I don't know that I hated it, but I I, I didn't like it very much. Um, you know, because um, it's uh, you know it's it's loud and it's dirty and it's crowded and it's expensive, um, and it's hard to make enough money to pay rent, sort of a thing. Um, so it's like you know my my first reaction to it was adverse. But of course, anytime you move anywhere, you're not gonna like it. You know, people always say the first eighteen months of living somewhere new is terrible. So I kind of came in with that mentality of like, I'm probably not going to like this at first. Um, and, uh, but you kind of, uh, but now I love it. I, I think it's great. And you, you get kind of in the flow, you know, with it and the bustle of it and the excitement of it. And I, I, you know, it's, it's fun that it's like, uh, you know, I might see more people walking as I walk to work one day that like a, a typical person in like the Midwest or something would see like an entire year, you know? So it's like you get to see all these different people. And I love that you're surrounded. The people watching is very fun. And you're also surrounded by all these different cultures and things. It's like really it's a total melting pot, which is like definitely like the American dream. So it's like you get to see all these people that have all these different experiences. And and sometimes you meet them and talk to them. And sometimes you just walk by them and you think like, wow, that person, you know, has such a different life than me. And you get this just very like the sense of like 
um community and also just being a part of something bigger which is really fun it's also just like exciting you know it's like sometimes you're not in the mood sometimes you're like oh my god there's so much happening and i'm just like gotta get to work or whatever um, um but uh but other times it's just like great to be in the middle of something and there's always something to do which is great and there's just so many interesting people new yorkers are are wonderful people you've probably heard people say this before but i think they're just like the greatest people and it's partially because there's so many of us living here on top of each other everyone has kind of a sense of like community and empathy and stuff like like when COVID started New Yorkers were well firstly we were like the first ones to get sick because of course we got people coming in from every other country to New York all the time um but but we were like very quick on the mask stuff and and like everyone was very respectful and like very you know concerned about everyone else's well-being around them because there's so many of us it's like you can't be you know that dick who's not thinking about the guy next to you you know it's like people people give up their seats on the train for like the old lady you know not always sometimes sometimes people are dicks but like generally speaking it's like um you know people are looking out for each other you know anyone can kind of stop anyone on the street and like ask directions and like you know generally people are very helpful and it's like uh, you know no one wants their time wasted because you always see the classic like annoyed new yorker you know stereotype which like because of course you know like like people got places to be everyone's in a hurry but it's like you know because imagine you were driving to work and somebody popped into your car and started like you know just like yammering or something you'd be like all right do you need something or like you know get a move on <laughs> like get out of my car dude like it's kind of the same as you're like walking to work type of thing um but i really love a lot of that about it um and it's just uh and it's so iconic too there's so many like it's beautiful and there's so many like cool places here um and 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 of course there's like sometimes you'll be walking and suddenly you're like you're like oh my gosh i'm in a location from this movie you're like oh this was in ghostbusters or sometimes you're walking through a literal movie set that's currently happening you're like oh my god they're shooting something right now and there's like a bunch of guys dressed as like you know uh i saw a bunch of guys dressed as those yellow things from monsters inc one day while i was walking and they were like acting like they were shooting each other it was crazy um and and so it's like stuff like that is very exciting i did miss and i do still miss uh nature i live near central park thankfully so i get to go there all the time but uh, but constantly i'm like uh every time i get to grass and trees outside the city that's the thing that probably the number one thing that i'm like oh need need space sometimes you know but um yeah so there's a that, that's kind of my summation of thoughts on it <laughs> Yeah, and would you consider Central Park like is it big enough to kind of almost make it feel like you actually are in nature? Yeah, it's huge. Um, and depending on which part you go to, I mean, you can go to the center of Central Park or like the uh, there's a section called the the Bramble that's like a foresty kind of area. It's like you can go in there and forget that you're in a city, you know. Except that there's still a reasonable amount of foot traffic, but not a ton. You can go there and be like isolated for a little bit if you want um and so that's and so that's nice it does give you like a sense of nature and i also like riverside park is on the other side of me here and it's uh and that is a little less naturey feeling but it is like you can go over there and see the water and sit in the grass and be around trees and stuff and so it's like you you get enough nature from these places if you live near one of them that it's kind of nice um yeah yeah and, and where did you move from i moved here from denver and before denver i lived in kansas city Okay. I lived and in how, Denver for about five years. Okay. And how did you get into the film industry? Like, did you go to school for it or how did you end I up? I did. In... Yeah. I first went to school. Uh, I went to Colorado film school in Denver. Um, and then I came and I, I finished my degree out here at New York city college. Um, and uh, you know, people, a lot of people in the film industry have a lot of different opinions about college degrees. 
Um, and like the short of it is you don't necessarily need one. And I didn't necessarily need to get mine. Um, like, I don't, I don't know that it's ever come in handy or helped me or anything. It took me like seven years to get my college degree. Um, cause I just could only afford so many classes and stuff. And I was also switching schools so much. Um, but, um, but I got the degree anyway. I, I felt like it was important to me. Um, and I thought, I thought if ever I come to a point where like, you know, say I came into an interview against a guy who has like the exact same credentials as me, but I have a degree and he doesn't, I just wanted to give myself every advantage I could get. I also learned a lot in at least at Colorado film school. I felt like I learned a little less at city college in New York, but, um, cause there's kind of, there's kind of two types of film schools. There's like, a there's like film schools that like, you you get there and uh and and you study and you watch films basically and you study theory for like three and a half years and then in your last semester they hand you a camera and they're like oh go try to make a movie and everyone makes a terrible film and then ends up like working at starbucks for the rest of their life not to disparage starbucks workers but like it's what happens and i went to kansas university for one semester and they have kind of a film program like that and then they have and then there's film programs like colorado film school where you get there and on the first day they hand you a camera and they're like make a film and come back tomorrow with your film or whatever and it's like the next day they're like great now go make three more films and it's like you just make movies constantly to get a sense of the production workflow and like what goes into it and so those types of film schools are really great places to learn and it's great places to get your hands on like nice equipment and like just get a sense of like how film works and how the film industry works and how people operate and collaborate together because it's a very collaborative industry everyone has kind of like you know one role in a larger team um and so that's that was really helpful learning a lot of that so i think my film education certainly helped me a lot just just thinking about film also as like i think a lot of people come in and just think it's very like artsy and think like oh if i work in film i'll never have to work i'll just like you know i'll just come up with neat ideas and people will give me money to be a director or whatever and it's like it's work like a film set is like a construction site like everybody is working and and people you know not everyone there is like stars in their eyes you know everybody there loves film but they're all kind of like it's a it's a day job sort of a thing you know they're like yeah i set up the camera and i get the shot and sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's just i have to you know i have to get it you know i have to see it sort of a thing um so yeah that's um yeah i i kind of forgot your question to be honest but it was something about oh no you <laughs> you like yeah how did you get into it how did you end up moving to new york and speaking of the actual school did you learn a lot about like cameras and stuff was that a big part of it was just like learning cinematography um, because I would imagine that you would at least at the bare minimum need to know, like, you know, how to work a camera and all that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And just learning all of yeah. the uh, technical aspects, not just cameras, but also post-production, of course, as a lot. And I was less camera oriented and you learn all the gear too. you learn lights, um, which is something I'm even not even worse at. I'm like, okay on a camera. I'm not great on a camera. You know, I probably know more than like your average Joe, but not as much as like your average cinematographer. My, my roommate is a, is a video person and photographer. And so she's great with that stuff. I'm just all right with it. Um, but, uh, and, and like art direction and stuff too, you kind of learn what each department does and uh, producing, which is like, you know, something that nobody knows anything about. Um, which is like, it, it's like, you know, the, the, I'm just like bullshit. Um, people like, talk about like, producer days. right but it's like um you know people talk <laughs> about how complicated planning a wedding is and it's like people who are producers all the time go into wedding planning and talk about how it's like the easiest thing ever they're like this is like five percent of the effort of producing like a, a small film you know it's like it's just like so many things you have to bring together type of thing and so um, yeah and so you just learn a lot of this basically and uh 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I certainly learned a bit about cameras and the different types of cameras and stuff and the different types of gear, but, I, but it wasn't my, I was more interested at the time, especially in writing and then also in post-production. Um, and then I was also very into like directing and stuff at the time, but everybody in film school wants to be a director and nobody gets to be a director. So it's kind of a, like a, a false dream. They sell you type of deal. <laughs> yeah. I've always what you, it's like a regular job. I've always kind of mentioned how hard it is, like for mainly actors, I guess. Because oh, it, it looks so. Actors, oh my god! And and, it's, and so it's many actors go in job. thinking it's gonna be like yeah easy, but it's like oh, I mean, when you're actually on set and acting, that's not that hard. I mean, sorry, so I'm sorry, actors. That's my feeling. I do a little bit of acting, and that's my feeling is getting there and like saying your lines and performing. While there is a certain type of pressure to it, it's like it's pretty fun. Like it's enjoyable, you know, to do a scene unless it's like a really hard scene. But even then it's like you're performing and performing has like a joy that comes with it. It's the sort of thing that everybody wants to do, you know, when they get into a creative field. But it's like, but that's, but that's not the hard part of acting. The hard part of acting is getting work as an actor and the constant rejection. Cause there's more, you know, the industry and everything is, everyone is so oversaturated with actors, you know, even everybody who has a day job as an actor on the side, it's like LA, there's like 10 million actors and you know, you'll go to like an audition and there'll be a hundred people who look exactly like you. And like maybe 30 of them went to like Juilliard or something. And like one of them has been in like, you know, like Spielberg's last movie or whatever. And it's like, you got to go in over and over these early mornings and these days and stuff and just go in audition and constantly be putting yourself out on social media. And it's just hard. It's just really hard. And, and every actor I know is like either, not working or is the hardest worker that i know you know and they, they got to be constantly on and networking because you never know who's going to give you your next job it's like yeah so actors uh hats off to them you know yeah well first of all i remember when i was younger my friend was an actor and i was like hey man that looks like really easy i think that anybody could do it and then i tried doing it in like a school play and i was like man i am terrible at this so first of all i definitely don't think that i can act but it it looks easy. And I would think that the hardest part about it, at least in my, from what I see, which is very little would be just having, I don't really know how many eyes are on them as they're acting, but I would imagine there's a good amount of people watching. I would think that would be very nerve wracking to have people watching you as you're acting and like having to like memorize the lines. And I don't think kind so. Of I like... think that is like totally in the back of their minds. And actually when I act too, that's something I'm like, you're kind of in the moment and you're not really concerned about what's going on in the room. Cause you got to give the performance and it's, and giving a performance is like certainly an art and something that takes talent. But for someone who is talented like that and who does that, you know, I, I think, I think most actors would say getting work as an actor is much harder than acting is, you know, <laughs> like, like work, working as an actor is harder than the actual art of acting. Although the art of acting is certainly takes talent and takes a lot of skill and a lot of, work to do as well but it's like but it's like that's not the that's not the challenge of it you know it's like yeah um yeah for sure so so what are like the main differences between the top guys like leonardo dicaprio ben affleck you know matt damon and somebody you know at the bottom or whatever like do you think it just like once again I, I shouldn't be saying you think luck but i was gonna say i don't think i shouldn't be saying anything because once again i don't know but it seems like a lot of it just has to do with looks and like people just like to watch them sure, on screen. Yeah. And personally, I like to watch, I think Leonardo DiCaprio looks good on screen. Same with Ben Affleck and all those guys. 
certain people just have that look and obviously i think they're talented too and like you Absolutely. said hard work and love but it's like but what do you, you think know, is the biggest people who can't act all the time that end up in movies over and over and then you also end up with you might have the most talented actors in the world might have never we might have never seen them on screen or you get like uh okay like a decent example is like uh jonathan banks from breaking bad and better call saul and community you know him yes. um he plays mike in those shows um, I forgot he, would, he was in Community, but and yeah, he was in fact he's in, he's in an episode of Seinfeld. I'm pretty sure way back in the day at some point, and he's he was in a couple episodes of Star Trek. Um, he's been in yeah. everything, and he's been acting in the industry for you know like 50 years or something. He's been doing it forever and just grinding away and getting bit parts here and there. And he's such a phenomenal talent, but he's been in the industry for so long with no recognition until until somewhat recently, until the last decade. But it's like you can go back and this guy has 40 years of roles and you might have actors. Sometimes you'll see a credit or sometimes you'll see someone on screen. This will happen. I'm sure you've had this. You'll see someone on screen be like, oh, this guy's kind of good. Do I know this guy from something? And you'll look him up and you'll be like, he has 400 IMDb credits and I've seen 30 of these movies. And it's like, I, do, I don't even know this guy, you know? And so it's like, and then sometimes, you know, somebody gets lucky as a 22 year old or whatever, like Leonardo DiCaprio and gets cast as a lead. And that's not to say he's not talented. He's very good, you know? And there's a reason that he's doing so well. But it's like, but but it's a huge luck factor. It's like with so many people, it's just like sometimes sometimes you're the one that gets noticed and gets picked, and sometimes you're not, you know. And it's like, and, and also you know, there's an ebb and flow to it. It's like you come and you go, you know. Same as like bands, it's like you'll come up for a few years and be a huge deal for five years, and everyone wants to see you. And then it's like a few years later, nobody cares. Chris Pratt being a perfect example, he's well on his way down right now. But like, remember when he was coming up in Guardians of the Galaxy? How stoked we were that he was in feature films, and that he was like muscly. We were like, whoa, he's getting cast in everything now. He was just the dorky guy in Parks and Rec. So it's like, and now we're like, nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> like you know, it's like, so so. You know, there's there's a whole lot of stuff you gotta balance and like deal with, and it's like, and it's unlike you know other industries where, and, and it's even harder for women actresses, of course, because it's like you know they get to be forty and suddenly no one wants to cast them, um, and they gotta like be a director or something, and it's, that's a whole other issue. But it's like, so it's like being an actor. There's also not like quite the same reliability as there is with other industries. Whereas like other stuff, you prove yourself and you're proven, you can keep doing it. It's like actors, it's like, you know, whatever your word of mouth is or, or whatever, like, you know, however good your last few movies were or whatever, you know, Nick Cage went from being an, an Oscar, you know, an Oscar winner to what he is today, which has been quite a road and all over the place. And I love, I love Nick Cage. So I'm certainly not talking shit, but it's like, but you know, like he's, he's like, uh, you know, he's like a meme. He's like a joke now. And, and, and he's incredible in everything, but it's like, he's not the same. We don't look at him the same way as we did in the eighties. Not at all. Now he has like his own genre of movies that are like very wacky. Like, so yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you, I mean, do you think that Nicolas Cage was actually a good I know you just said you like him but do you think that he really was a good actor do you, or do you think it was just one of those situations where he was just really he's always just been like really eccentric and weird and that just kind of came off perfect in the roles he played I think he's an exceptional actor uh, I think he's really good and I, I think this is what happens to him when when people when he's doing when he's giving a performance that doesn't feel right because sometimes he is in movies where you're like this is an absurd performance like why would he have played it like this I think he is an exceptional actor that will do whatever he's told to do, essentially whatever, whatever the role requires or whatever someone says. So like, this is something actors will sometimes do. If, if you're directing them, they'll be like, like how, how hard am I coming into this scene? Like, do, am I like a 10 or am I like a five here? And, and an inexperienced director with Nick cage might be like, Oh, you know, 
you're a 10 right now. And to Nick Cage, a 10 is completely off the rails. And it's like, they're not, they're not honing him correctly. So it's like, you know, it's like you're using a bazooka to blow up an ant. And it's like, you could have told him a two and he would have given the performance you needed sort of a thing. And so it's like, I think, I think it's just a matter of using him correctly. And then also you give him a bad script. And it's like, what is he supposed to do with that? Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's all about how he's utilized, but his good performances I feel are very good. And I think he's very captivating and, uh, and, uh, you know, probably I think movie he gives maybe my favorite performances in, have you seen a weatherman? Uh, no, I don't think so. I might have. Um, it's, and I don't know that it's like that popular of a movie, but I, I totally recommend it. He gives like my favorite performance of his career. And it's just he's he's a weatherman, um, and he's plays a character that I I feel like somewhat aligns with probably a little bit how he is in real life. Um, but but um, no, interesting guy, very captivating on screen, and at the end of the day, that's what counts. I think uh, you know he he's not certainly he's not like a, a Gary Oldman or anything or a uh, you know uh, what's his name that's always winning the Oscars. Um, I forget. There will be blood. That guy. Um, oh, Daniel, Daniel D. Lewis. Thank you, Daniel D. Lewis. Like, sure, he's yeah. not one of those guys, but like, he brings his own thing, and it's like when he's on screen, like you can't look away. And I think that's uh, so there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think's happened in his career to make it so he just cannot get a decent role? Hollywood like turned off by him for some reason, or what's going on with that? Well, I think you come and you go, you know, and you get good roles and you get bad ones. And he for a bit there maybe got too many bad ones and he had uh financial issues for a while there he was in debt so he was taking quite a lot of roles but i think i think also at some level he just loves being in movies like i think he just loves his craft and he loves doing it so it's like you know to him he you know there might be something that he finds really captivating about a movie like like he loved being ghost rider that was awesome to him like that's exactly the sort of reason he went into the industry was to be ghost rider to be cool stuff like that but it's like everybody thought that movie sucked but it's like i'm sure not for a second did he regret being ghost rider so it's like it it depends on you know your version of success because it's like also he you know he makes certainly i i don't think he's like in probably 40 years made less than like a million bucks in a movie like you know he makes a ton of money doing this stuff and so it's like well that's what's um, so weird to me when people when he when people say oh he's he's broke or whatever but he makes a million dollars a movie it's like dude oh like, he has a huge spending you, issue he was you, he has like 20 yeah. different mansions and he he bought like this he he beat leonardo dicaprio in a bidding war for a dinosaur skull um that he ended up not and man he spent oh my god how much did he spend on this thing like it must have been like a 10 million dollar dinosaur skull or like 20 million or something and he, and he won this yeah. bidding war against dicaprio and then he like wasn't even allowed to take it out of the country or something like that like he like it ended up being like legally he couldn't keep it but he still had to pay for it sort of a thing so it's like uh, he has like a fleet yeah. of boats and things, if I remember right. So it's like he he has he definitely has like a spending addiction. He's just a guy who he's a really interesting guy, I'll say. But um, <laughs> and I've all but, I've also heard that he because he's like related to Francis Ford Coppola or something. Is he's like married to? Well, he's like changed his name to Cage so that he wouldn't be associated because his name last name was Coppola. And he specifically chose Cage to not be associated with the Coppolas because he didn't want the nepotism. Um, so it's hard to say. Um. And, and, and how is he like an extra in movies and stuff? I think he's he might be like the nephew of Francis Ford or something. I don't totally know. That's a big family, and there's a lot of Coppola's working in the industry, so it's like I couldn't yeah, I say know, like necessarily. Jason, Jason Schwartzman is is um 
also related to him, right? Yeah, and of course you got like Sofia Coppola, and then there's like ten other Coppolas that are all directing and stuff. So it's like I don't know, I don't know all the Coppolas, but uh, yeah. So, but I don't but know. Anyways, if it was man, that or just through auditioning and working hard that he got his his roles, but <laughs> but he got them. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to get into your um to your work, what you do, and what movies you worked on and stuff. But one acting goes is um. Mm-hmm. Would you would would you say there are you mentioned you know obviously there's actors out there who just aren't that good but they're still big. Can you think of any that are good examples of somebody who's just clearly not a good actor but like they're still just they still Gosh, get a ton of movies? That when I said that when I said that a minute ago too. Um, and I want to put you on. Uh, I don't know Jared how, Leto you know. Um, comes to mind. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes he is really good. He's just a piece of shit. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. He's a bad actor. He's just a sucky guy. Um, Yeah. I don't really like Jared Leto in terms of I've heard some bad stuff about him, but it's like he does manage to pick good roles. Like he was in Fight Club and um, maybe like Jim Belushi or somebody like like you know whole actor. Not that he's like a huge actor. (laughs) Oh Actors that I there are. What about someone like what about like Zach Efron? Zac Efron or like I'll be um, honest I think he's really talented I think he's great yeah like, he is he is good yeah like um, but he's definitely like good looking and gets cast for that like um, I mean do you think Ben someone like Ben Affleck's that good I feel like he might just be kind of like he just looks good type th- I don't know yeah, man he's, right? he's good when he's that? good too sometimes though too but he's not my favorite I, but, yeah, yeah. but when he's good he's good and so it's like you know yeah like he's probably a bit overrated but he's certainly not bad um and so it's like um yeah it's hard it's so there hard really pick, are but it's like the most talented actors aren't necessarily the ones getting the most work though it's like like look at like you know john malkovich has gone through a lot of his career in like semi-obscurity people know him for sure and he's, he's got lots of roles but he's like but like you know if, if we're just going purely based on talent like he should be as big as a brad pitt or a bruce willis you know like yeah so but he um... seems like he he seems like he kind of shines in those like weird roles that are probably maybe few and far between or something i don't know yeah you know he I mean? doesn't have that leading man energy necessarily so it's like yeah but, but all, all i'm trying to say is talent doesn't necessarily equate to to fame and success um i can't think of anyone off the top of my head though who's like constantly in stuff that sucks but i do feel like i'm constantly watching movies and being like why is this guy in stuff still you know so yeah um, it's kind of sad to say but maybe well, not only him but like somebody like bob saget or like the crew like the whole the full house crew like they probably sure. weren't yes that yeah, great right example. john like, john yeah. stamos or like or like baywatch like granted Anderson. most of them went into doing a whole lot so it's like you know yeah certainly she yeah. was not necessarily cast on like the merits of her talent um but uh but i also don't want to disparage her especially after that great show came out about her this year but um oh but, um, it, it was it was really good wasn't it it was yeah and i and yeah. people people said that it was like you know putting her through this putting her on blast again but i felt the opposite i thought i thought it painted her as being like a feminist hero i was like oh my god like what a oh you know, yeah i i what a bad i don't think it made her like, look i don't think it no, made I, th- her look I thought it was very flattering all. like yeah but um yeah but i, I see even why t- she even talk- the whole thing brought up again yeah, yeah, they right. even, even really tried even to Tom be empathetic Lee. with their presentation of him. Like, and he still kind of comes off as a dick, which he clearly is. But like, but they really tried to like paint him in like a as sympathetic of a light as they could. I felt like, like to, to make yeah, he least, did like, come off. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah, he did come off like a dick. But 
I mean, towards the and, end, and he really was. Like I think Seth he really Rogen's was trying to like obviously him. that guy is like a piece of shit, like you know. But like, but they you know, again, they tried to like. I I like I like that they did that. They tried to make everyone like they tried to really humanize everybody and not just make them a bunch of like cartoon characters, which would have been easy to do, I think. Yeah, and then is he an example? Maybe him or I, I mean Jonah Hill is obviously a good actor, but would you say Seth Rogen is that good of an actor? I I don't know if I. Yes, I love him. Um, yeah, I I, think I, he's, I love think him. He's fantastic. I love him. I love uh, him. I think he's funny. And I but think he's a hell of, like, of a performer, honestly. I think he gives like really? you know, like, watch him in those more dramatic scenes. Like he's he's there. It's you know, it's there. He brings it. So it's like, don't um, get me wrong. I like him, but um, yeah, I, but yeah, I could I could maybe throw up Chris Pratt. Like you know, <laughs> like yeah, that's an example. He's fine. He's fine. He's funny. He's entertaining. But like, yeah. you know, how much of a performer is he? He's all right. You know, like he's not bad. But is he is he worthy of the career he's had? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to say. But I mean, while I have you on, I, I definitely want to get to the the most or the the thing that I'm most interested in hearing is what one what you do, and then also what you've worked on, and the whole behind the scenes of the movie industry. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? What Absolutely. you do, and, yeah, 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 and I and I, you know, I wish I could drop a bunch of cool movies that I've been on, but I mostly haven't worked in movies, I've mostly worked in TV. Um, TV is fine, fine too, yep, and yeah. I've, TV's, I've TV's been great recently, on, right? Yeah, and I've and I've mostly worked on the the like reality TV competition show, true crime side of TV. I've been a little bit on um narrative shows, like I worked on um, I worked on some CBS shows that you certainly wouldn't have heard of, but I worked on um. Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the stupid show. It is, it is one that you would have heard of. Um, I'm like drawing a blank on the name of the stupid show. Are, are <laughs> you on IMDb? Like, could I look you up? I am, and I wonder if that credit is. Hang on, you know, I could find this really quick. Won't give me one sec. Um, I don't know if you me... want to use your whole name on here or not, but no, that's fine. Yeah, my my name is Alex Brisson. I'll give my full name. Um, hang on, let me find this. What this show is called? That I'm trying to name. Um. Uh, is Ray Donovan. Uh, Ray Donovan was the show. Oh, yeah, I, I is definitely last know name. that. Yeah, is okay. I was briefly on Ray Donovan. Yes, yeah. And I don't. I wonder if my. I probably don't have my Ray Donovan credit listed on my IMDb. I probably didn't bother. Is it B R I S S O N? Yep, that's me. Okay. Okay. And I don't have a picture so direct, on there right now. You got to so pay thirty bucks a month to have your picture on IMDb. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. They don't automatically do that. No, you have to you have to have an IMDb Pro account, and if you're in the unions, I think they provide that for you. I'm not in the unions right now, though. I have my own thing going. Um, okay, so I'm, what uh, what is the main thing you do? I mostly right now work as a uh, yes, it does say that. That's nice of it. It's a um, that that's those are my student films mostly, or my independent films. I guess they're not all student films um, that it's listing there. But I most of my work in the industry is as a. Um, for simplicity's sake, I'll say as an assistant editor, my position at my current job is chief media manager, um, which like a lot of positions in the industry is made up. Um, it's But it's it's similar work to what I did as assistant editor. Um, and an assistant editor is, is not what you think, because you would think an assistant editor is just someone who kind of helps the editor edit. Um, but it's somebody who does basically all of like the technical side of editing. Um, and so like an editor, you know, an editor cuts cuts the movie you know pretty much what an editor does um but what they don't do is is they uh, an assistant editor will take all of the media all of the footage and all of the audio and they'll label it all and they'll organize it all 
and they'll you know break it up into scenes and they'll sync up all the audio to the camera you know to the video and they will um oh and they'll um get it all in the correct format that's a big part of it it's called transcoding you got to get everything in the right format you get all organized you bring in the project and then you might even have to end the project is like a an editing software and you bring it in there and um and so you basically do every part of editing that isn't actually editing. And then you also will like export it and stuff. You'll provide them with like assets and things. So it's like the editor basically just cuts and you provide them everything that they cut with is kind of what an assistant editor does. Um, and, and then, you know, I also do a lot of like helping with technical stuff at work and things like that. And uh, at my, my current job, I'm, I'm an assistant editor across like God, an ungodly amount of shows right now, like six or seven shows right now. And so it's like anytime anybody on our on our network needs like media for a show, I'm like the guy who shows them where to get it or I'm like the one who downloads it off of the hard drive or the camera card or whatever. Um, and so that's a lot of what I do is a lot more technical work and less uh, less of the fun artsy stuff, unfortunately. But but honestly, most people in the industry, I think that would be kind of their uh, what they would say is that they aren't, uh, you know, that they're doing you know, that they that they aren't necessarily having a creative impact on what is happening on the screen sort of a thing. Um, and they're certainly important and involved in what's happening on screen, but it's not like um, necessarily a creative position. Yeah. And so this is your full time job, right? Like you don't have any other jobs. Yeah. And it takes and and, yeah. and most people that work in the film industry work a lot. People that work in the film industry are workaholics. They got to work their butt off because it takes a lot to make productions uh, like like a standard film week i think i think people would be annoyed at me if i said most people in the film industry work 60 hours i think people would probably like you know people would probably be like uh no most of us work 70 hours like um so it's like people people in film work a ton and it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to make this stuff um and how many hours are you working? oh thankfully not like nearly that much no, oh, I'm, I've, I've managed to, no, I've managed to really, I have, I have a really good spot in my current job. And I think I work probably like 45 hours a week right now, which is the least I've ever worked. I, I worked 60 hours for years and to get to this spot. And now I, now I've kind of finagled my way into a, a nice spot where I work. Uh, yeah. Just, just a bit over 40 now. Um, so okay, that's and... a godsend. Um, but it's, but it's uncommon. I, I, I'm not a, I'm a poor representation of, of what most people do in the industry. <laughs> And it could change like on your next job, right? Like you could get a job where you have to work. Uh, yeah. most, my right? chances of my chances of finding another job where I'm working this few hours are are slim to none. Um, which is why I'm yeah I'm happy where I'm at. And I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily looking right now. I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, let me stick with this job that I don't have to work sixty hours a week, please. And who do you work for? Like what is it like a like a production company or yeah, it's called Law and Crime. They're also their own uh, network. Um, I think they might even have their own channel. Um yeah, and it covers uh, it covers trials um, mostly. Although we do true crime shows too, but but our main thing is co is covering trials. We did the Johnny Depp trial. Um, all, that stream oh, that you wow. saw that everywhere. That was that was our thing. Um, and that 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 was just re that was total reality. That wasn't a reality show. That was just yeah. That was literally reality, just right? us putting a camera in a courtroom. And and then we have people yeah. that commentate on it. We have like uh, anchors and journalists and stuff that that go there on the scene and. And, uh, you know, and so it's like, like that one we were recording and I'm the, I'm the guy who takes all the footage from it and puts it on the server and organizes it. So someone's like, oh, we need the clip of Johnny doing this or whatever. I'm like, it's right here. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, 
yeah, that's probably the most famous thing we've done. Oh, we just did actually, we had a couple other shows just blow up. Uh, I Survived a Crime was number one on network Netflix for a couple of weeks or not a couple of weeks, a couple of days, maybe three days, but probably about a week. It was in the top 10 on there. Uh, and I worked on that show too. I Survived a Crime. Um, and then we have one on Hulu right now that's doing okay too. Behind the headlines, the Jennifer Dulo story that I was involved on too. And so we got stuff kind of popping up all over the place right now. Um, but, uh, we're definitely kind of an up and coming thing. I think the company is only, I don't know, not that old. Um, like most of our files show up around like 2019, but I think we were around a couple of years before that probably. Um, but yeah, sort of, sort of new, sort of new on the scene for sure. Okay. That's, that's cool though, man. And, um, have you ever worked with any big names that I would know or, um, Oh, let's see. I certainly have, but let me think. Well, you know what's funny? I always joke about this. Before I got into the film industry, I worked at a restaurant in the West Village called Spotted Pig. Um, that's a very famous restaurant. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, actually, they go there in an episode of The Office, Jim and Pam do. Um, but um, What's funny is but, I, wa- I wanted to say that they go there in that movie, Pig, starring Nicolas Cage, but I don't think they, they do. They don't go there, but, they, uh, but yeah, because <laughs> it, it already, I think it was already gone at that point, maybe. Um yeah, that's a good movie of his. Um, but yeah. um, but it's uh, but at that restaurant, it was a, it was a pretty famous spot, and I met more celebrities at that restaurant than I ever met at uh, than I've ever met in the film industry. Um, I, I must have met like oh, like over a hundred people. Like on my first night there, I, I physically ran into J.J. Abrams on the stairs. Uh, he was coming <laughs> in for dinner with Stephen Colbert. And I, and I bumped him and I was like, oh, oh sorry. And then I was like, oh, hey, and kind of pointed to him. He's like, hey, like, like, oh, you recognize me sort of a thing. Um, oh, and, damn. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Colbert came in a couple of times. Oh, man, I, I, I hate to just sit here and name drop a bunch, but I can name drop people I ran to at the restaurant. Aaron Paul used to come in all the time. I think he lives around there. And it's kind of okay. funny. He would come in. He would come in with a hood on. He's from Breaking Bad, if you don't know him. He's Jesse Pinkman. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, I definitely he, he would know come him, in yeah. with, a, uh, with a hood one on favorite, and sunglasses uh... on so that you didn't recognize him. And he'd walk in like <laughs> oh, that, and they'd be, like, they'd, be like, uh, they'd be like, hi, Mr. Paul, Like, can we get you a table? Or can we get your table for you? And they just knew him instantly, even though he's like in disguise. It cracked me up. Oh, damn. Yeah, he's um, one of my, not one of my favorite actors, but that's one of my favorite characters that's one of my yeah like, it is my favorite tv show great yeah. in that role he is exceptional oh, in that. Man. i love it's it's I love perf- that and perfect I love better call Saul even more i think yeah. um i served uh both ron and hermione i got to serve michael j fox oh god who else did i see i saw aziz i saw rem i served bono probably like 30 times um so you were uh, you were like literally like their waiter like you were their personal waiter or whatever i was the back waiter so i would fill their water and then you know i would clear their tables um and then they might ask me to like bring them ketchup or something um so man uh, because i i didn't i didn't want to become a waiter because i was trying to leave the restaurant and go to uh you know go into the film industry and i was like no 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 i can't i can't say but i (laughs) but uh so yeah i was the back waiter though um but i yeah i got to serve all these people was it like nerve wracking ever? I mean, I, I I know that it's stupid to be like, oh, it's a famous right? actor, but it's like, um, but still, it's like you really don't want to make a mistake in front of one of those. It, guys, yeah, it right? was like, I mean, don't screw up in front of these guys. But no, I wouldn't say it was yeah. ever nerve wracking, but it was like, oh, like this is not the time to screw up. Like, you know, yeah. like, but uh, the but last no, thing I mean, you want as a server, you get pretty like, you know, you get pretty used to it. You don't really like worry about screwing up serving a table. It's like, you know, I 
that ser- serving a table isn't the hard part of being a, a waiter i guess is what i'm trying to say there's there's hard parts about being in the service industry but it's the actual serving is not it you know it's the, yeah. it's the hours and the you know uh all the other stuff you got to go through i mean i think that there is a certain amount of stress just being in the service industry you know what i mean like you you know it's like yeah, you don't exactly want, that's like exactly I said, what i'm just, saying it's like and, well and also usually when you're in that industry a lot of people in that industry want to be doing something else and not all of yeah. them some people live for it but it's like and so like there's a lot of that that goes around too for sure yeah um it's like starbucks isn't that like working at starbucks isn't that hard of a job but at the same time it is you know what i mean because yeah but it's, it's like, like it's, you know it's it's a marathon rather than like a sprint sort of a thing it's like just getting up and going <laughs> to starbucks every day you know sucks like it bums you yeah. out like yeah i like I and just being surrounded by being surrounded by people constantly pouring drinks and like the line yeah, just, just never stops people yeah. and stuff yeah. and like you know and, and the fact that you're like not making that good of money it's like oh you no know, doing stuff like that is a lot harder than some other stuff even though not in the same way you know it's like not not in any given moment is it challenging but like yeah so i don't know so sorry if anyone listening to this episode works at starbucks i feel like we've been down on them a lot but but i guess oh, we're trying no. to say we're sympathetic to you yeah if, any, if anything that's what i'm trying to say is it's, it's no exactly it, yeah. it, it is just a saying, if job, i would yeah. work at starbucks was hearing this episode i've been like oh man like uh oh, man my life is the worst <laughs> like oh no i definitely i definitely don't stop try reminding and, me guys <laughs> i definitely don't try and dunk on you know anybody no, if anything i, I think, think that are. it's yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm trying to say that it <laughs> It actually is a hard job. Like same thing with yeah. you being a waiter. It's like, I'm sure you were probably stressed out in a lot of scenarios. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, in general, like working in the film industry, like, how is it? And well, actually one other question I had is too, is, so I, I actually live close to LA. I live about an hour or so from LA and mm-hmm. I have no, and I, I do Instagram and I'm actually, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at like doing videos and pictures and all that. Um, how hard would it be for me to like break into that industry? I mean, is it just tremendously hard to get hard, in? Very yeah. hard. Yeah. So how and did, I how said, did you get in? Oh man. Uh, I mean, like, like I feel like literally most people that get in have a connection and I did not. Um, so that, that made it especially hard for me. Um, and also that I wasn't from one of these places. I think people that grow up in these places tend to, you know, New York or LA tend to know people that are in the industry and, and are able to kind of like work that a little bit. Um, what I did was I used a website, uh, staffing website called Staff Me Up, um, and I, you know, just made a resume and a cover letter and just applied like mad. I sent out, I must have sent out like literally probably thousands of of job applications just constantly. I had them like ready to go. I had a thing that notified me anytime a new one was posted so that I could submit a job application within like two minutes of it being posted. And I would just submit like crazy, just constantly all the time just to try to get jobs. And, and, you know, and cause sometimes, you know, sometimes you're lucky and the only thing that they're looking for is the first person to apply. And so it's like, oh, this guy applied within one minute. He has a good looking resume and a funny cover letter, like, you know, and, and especially when you're trying to be like a production assistant, which is kind of how you get your foot in the door in the industry. Um, you know, that, that sometimes is enough. Um, but, but, you know, that's not to say I didn't have a ton of rejection prior to that, um, prior to getting some jobs, but I finally managed to land some spots with like, um, Oh, you can sometimes it's a bit easier to get onto like reality shows like uh like so, so you think you can dance, you know, they'll come in from out of town and they'll hire like 70 PAs for one day sort of a thing. And so it's like they just hire like mad, for, you know, and you'll, you'll work for like two days for them and then you can put it on your resume. 
um, stuff like 90 Day Fiance did that. Um, God, other shows I worked on, like The Voice was kind of like that. Um, and so they'll just come in. And then once you kind of rack up a few of these credits, it's a little easier to get more. And then I managed to get into Food Network for quite a while as a production assistant. I was a production assistant for years. And, and moving up from being a production assistant is like nearly impossible. But even getting those production assistant jobs is like not easy either. Um, but um, yeah, and I was on Food Network for quite a while. And then um, I was doing little editing things here and there on the side, wherever I could. You take little small gigs enough to build a little bit of a resume. And I was specifically applying a lot to um, nighttime assistant editor positions because basically, and, and assistant editor is a good spot to try to get in because the industry is constantly short on, on assistant editors. Uh, partially because as soon as somebody gets good at it, they they move up and become an editor or they, you know, uh, or or they like lock down a position like I kind of have right now where I'm like, okay, like, yeah, nice. Now I'm good at this and this company doesn't want me to leave sort of a thing. Um, and uh, but nighttime assistant editors is basically just a guy who comes in while nobody else is working and processes a bunch of files overnight because it takes so long to process all of these files. You know, it's like a it, sometimes it's like a 12 hour process. And so you get a guy to do it overnight so that, you know, everything is happening as fast as possible. So basically like a, a post-production house might be running 24 hours a day. You know, the daytime guy leaves and the nighttime guy comes and processes files and it doesn't take a lot of skill. It, it certainly does take some skill. You have to know some stuff, but it's like, so, and, and it doesn't pay well, you know, at first. And so it's like, they'll kind of hire, you know, anyone that they think can get the job done type of thing. And I, I gave a lot of interviews for that, trying to get into, I talked to news places and I talked to reality shows. I talked to Oxygen. Um, gosh, I can't remember who else I, I talked to. I But I went through quite a bit of that and finally found one that just kind of clicked. I finally just gave kind of a good interview and, um, and, and you know, just told them honestly. I was like, because it's a, it's a real catch-22 because no network wants to hire someone to do this job who hasn't done it before. But you can't, you know, you 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 haven't done it before like so it's like you can't get the job without having done the job sort of a thing uh, and so it's like this kind of impossible thing you got to move through which i kind of talked about in my interview i was like i've been trying to do this for a while but it's like because i haven't done it no one will let me even though i have all the skills so basically what i want to do is do this so that i can have this on my resume and they they i don't I, it worked i guess i had made a good impression and they uh, brought me on um and, and uh, I got a couple of credits. And from there, it gets a lot easier once you get a couple of credits doing it. Then it's like the next place you can come and be like, look, I've done this a couple of times. And uh, ideally, you just kind of keep bouncing your way laterally. You know, you, you don't really move vertical in the film industry. You only move laterally. You move to the next show and they might move you up a position at some point, you know, sort of a thing. <laughs> like, so, you know, you make a right impression on a good impression on the right guy sort of a thing. Like, and would PA be kind of like you. a starting point if you wanted to, like, start somewhere? Where would that be? Yeah. Like PA yep. or? Yeah, that's where okay. you get foot in the door. The problem is moving up from being a PA is like, it's like being a PA is like a great way to start in the industry, but it's also like at some level a dead end job because people who are PAs mostly just get hired to be PAs. Like I, I know like three people who've been moved up from being PA. But like Does it pay decent? Like, no, it pays minimum wage and you work oh. 60 hours a week. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah it's 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 rough and it's a fight there's because there, there's more you know pas is ne next to actors is the thing that there's the most of because there's because it doesn't take a lot of skill uh but if you're good at it they'll bring you back and so people like me that went to film school and had a bunch of knowledge of this stuff are better at it than like 
you know, average Joe on the street sort of a thing who also wants to be a PA. So it's like, you know, if you can impress as a PA, you can continue to get work at least and kind of make yeah. industry contacts and stuff. But ultimately none of that, none of that, none of that stuff made too much of a difference to me with getting the next position up. It was just kind of lucky. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I have to wrap things up because I, I ha actually have another one, another podcast to do at night. Oh man. Wow. But, um, quite a, quite a night tonight. Well, no problem. Yeah. I've talked yeah, for quite a while here. <laughs> yeah. The last thing that I want to ask you real quick, and I, and there is a ton more that I would want to ask you. So if you ever want to come back on, let me know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you, you mentioned true crime and stuff like that. Are there any, well, I kind of already asked you about movies and TV shows. So I guess, what are your thoughts on podcasts in general? Um, and then also, I guess mainly what podcasts do you like, especially true crime? I've been looking for a good, I've listened to a lot of good true crime, but I feel like I'm out. So I like to ask people what podcast mm -hmm. they listen to just to one, get the word out. And also for me, maybe I can right. find one. Yeah. yeah. I don't listen to, and it's funny, actually, I work on two podcasts right now at work too. So I, maybe I should plug those. Law and Crime is currently doing two podcasts. I don't know if they're out yet though. One called I Survived a Serial Killer, which is based on a TV show we made, which is actually really interesting. And it's just about people who survived, uh, you know, uh, being attacked by a serial killer, essentially. Um, and, and are you the and, host or do you do you edit that? No, one? no, I, I mostly handle like uh, I don't even really edit it. I get it from the editor. I give him the files and then he gives it to me at the end. And I have to do a bunch of kind of confusing technical stuff at the end to get it all in the right format to, to get it to air sort of a thing, which is funny to think because like you and I both have podcasts and, and like like what I do on that show is infinitely more complicated than what I do on my own show. And now actually I have an editor on, on Star Trek, the original siblings. I have my own editor. So it's like, and I'm sure you probably just like record some, put it up for the most part. So it's like, uh, but what I do on this other show is like, you know, I have to make all these crazy, um, uh, these, these like 12 track files, then everything has to be aligned a certain way and mixed a certain way and stuff. And so it's like, it's not that it's not, uh, it's just a bit technical and it takes maybe like an hour and a half at the end of each episode. I prep them. But, uh, but what I like about this show, I survived a serial killer in regards to true crime stuff is that true crime tends to be very like murderer oriented, very like, almost like, I don't want to say they're glorifying the murderers. But I also don't want to say that they're not like, you know, like like that's kind of who the story tends to be about. And it tends to be kind of this fascination and fixation on these horrible people. And what I like about the Survivor show is that it's a story about this like triumphant survivor person who went through something horrible and essentially overcame and then continues to kind of overcome like the haunt and how it haunts them in their lives sort of a thing and like their story and the and the murderer is just this horrible person that they kind of run across and then you get, you get to hear from like the detectives and stuff too um and it's and it's more of like you know how we should relate to murderers in you know and serial killers and stuff in in life type of thing and so i i think that's uh, just a really interesting show just to just to focus much more on the survivor um and 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 the fact that they're not a victim that they're a survivor and sometimes you know sometimes they get lucky but sometimes it's like through their own you know uh tenacity or whatever they're able to survive and i think uh, a lot of their stories are really inspiring and they're like a lot of them are just really interesting people that that were in just very tough situations and so i like that one we got another one called uh cold case files which you know you can imagine what that's about there's a lot of cold case based podcasts i think and I'll, I'll be honest i haven't listened to that one so i don't i don't know if it's good or not but but maybe it is um so I'll, I'll plug it anyway since my network produces it um but um my network it's my network now um i work there <laughs> um 
But um, and then in my own time, like I said, I don't really listen to true crime anymore because I work in it. But when I did, I I lo- I liked the last podcast on the left quite a bit. When um, you know, and I I I think there's a lot of kind of problematic fans of that show, so I hate to like lump myself in with them. But I do really like the show. I just think they make a really fun, entertaining show. Um, but I don't know. I never listened to Serial. I know people love Serial. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, I love Serial one and two. Yeah, and I didn't see it. Uh, I I listened to the f- the other one that those guys made though, uh, Shit Town. I did like that one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah although yeah, it wasn't yeah, necessarily true crime. Um, but um, yeah. and then um, uh, this is not true crime, but it's The Onion made a really funny true crime parody podcast. I want to say it was called A Very Fatal Murder, if I remember right. Um, I don't totally remember though, but man, it it, it was funny. I mean, it had me in stitches. So if you if you want to hear a comedy version of a true crime that's just made up, then I totally recommend that too. It's uh quite entertaining. Um, but no, just all the other regular ones. Uh, you know, my favorite murder. Who doesn't love them? Um, I don't have a, you know, I I could I could name them all day, but as far as ones that I actually listen to, it's like the list is a little shorter. Um, <laughs> But I, I feel like I have a, a wealth of knowledge of these podcasts that I don't listen to. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, unfortunately, I have to go. Honestly, I, I would have liked to talk more about the industry, but I think we, I waited too long to to um to ask you about that. So maybe no you can problem. come on yeah, again. I could go on and on and on about it. So you know, anytime. <laughs> yeah, and then also I would like to follow your, you know, watch some of your stuff or whatever. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe you can send me your Instagram or wherever, wherever. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Let, let me, I guess let me plug a couple things again, real yeah, quick. Yeah, Since we're at the end here, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah. anyone that made it this far, you know. Uh, once again, my podcast is called Star Trek: The Original Siblings, which I record with my sister. Um, and our Instagram for that is sto sibs pod. Um, and then um, I have a YouTube series that I make on my YouTube channel called real Alex Brisson is the YouTube channel. And the series is called Brisflix. And I, I kind of break down and make fun of, uh, just terrible movies in little, like, uh, Oh, maybe 16, 18 minute long videos. I just find funny, terrible Hollywood films and, uh, make jokes at their expense basically. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So if that's the sort of thing you're into, go check that out too. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. Just send me the links after and I'll, I'll be able to put them in the bio and yeah. Thanks for coming on Alex and hopefully. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. It was nice talking to you. Yep. You have a good night. You too. Bye.